Hello, everybody, and welcome to the debut episode of Third and Nerd. This is a podcast blending football uh, and, uh, and and all things nerd, really, but a lot of comics, mostly comics, a lot of Star Wars. Uh, I, I, am, I am sure other nerderies will come up, but... Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't abruptly mention my co-host, Mr. Joe Goodberry. Uh, Joe, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Or do you want to save that for overtime? Do you just want to give like a hmm. brief intro? Yeah, yeah, let's do, uh, you know, brief things, uh, mostly because uh, just to get it started. But yeah, our, our last topic, I believe, is just going to be a, a more get familiar with us, what we like, what we do. Uh, her comics background, her sports background, but for right now, uh, I'm Joe Goodberry. I like long walks on the beach and nerdy stuff. I, I mean, as basic as it is, I, I'm 30 years old. I, I live in western New York. I have a wife and three kids, and I work in a in a chemical plant in my daytime, trying to fall in there and turn into the Joker at some point, and then I... I I do football work on the side, mostly scouting and analytical stuff, or mostly the Bengals, but I've done some Bleacher Report, some general uh, football stuff this past year. Uh, and I, I'd like, I like the idea of this podcast. This is something that a lot of people have, have said to me that, you know, I wish we could merge the two together. Because if you're a football nerd, and a lot of people that are, are into the analy- analytics or just film breakdown, or just if you really are into football, you're usually a nerd, and you're and if you're a nerd, you're a nerd with a lot of things. You're into a lot of things, whether it be movies or or sports or cars or comics or whatever the case may be. Uh, if you have that in your in your blood to really go deep into something, you're going to end up being involved in a lot of things. Any, I think any time mathematics and statistics are involved, you enter into a realm of nerddom that usually leads to some sort of either comic book reading, video game obsession, uh, dice tossing game obsessions, yeah. <laughs> live action role playing, um, any, any number of things. And, and similar to Joe, um, I, I write for the Marvel Report, uh, covering all sorts of, of, of Marvel topics and, and doing comic book reviews. Uh, but I also cover USC and sometimes Cal for Athlon as a contributor. And I am the host of Turf Show Radio uh, on Turf Show Times, which is SB Nation's home for the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, Joe and I are both, you know, heavily involved in uh, in sports writing and uh, in, in nerddom. So it seemed like I'd been wanting to do this and I needed someone and, and I kept seeing because of Ryan Burns, I kept seeing a lot of your stuff. And then I don't know why it took me so long to finally hit you up. And, and yeah, I, I feel like I let so many months of quality <laughs> conversation go. Yeah. And I, I've been on Twitter, I think, for like six or seven years now. I think just shortly after it started. And Ryan was one of the, one of the few guys that I followed and he followed back. I remember going on his podcast like five years ago. 
And uh, that guy's got a sweet voice, man. He's got a voice for radio. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love when people can have the same, you know, interests and likes and, and merge them together into one topic or, or into one, you know, discussion. And, uh, yeah, you're perfect for that. There's a lot of guys that, that seem like they're into the same things that you are. And that's what's great about Twitter and the Internet. I mean, whatever you're into, you can find your corner of the Internet and, you know, find some people to, to befriend. Even if it's an amalgam, you know, like yeah. if, it's, if it's football and comics, you're like, well, hey, guess what? We're here. Yeah, like last okay. year, last year for the draft, I was doing uh, player profiles, and I, I grade them, uh, each player, each prospect, on, on 10 different categories. I do that every year, but I was making cards for them on the Internet, and they were, all, and they were Pokemon cards. So they looked like the old Game Boy uh, blue, red, and yellow games, and it showed their stats and their, their hit points and just things like that, and people loved it. And it was just something that to, to merge two interests together like that, and people had a great time with it. When I got married, um, you mentioned I, I don't have any kids yet, though the wife and I are currently in the in in that discussion of uh, is now the time. Um, but uh, when we got married, it was a Zelda themed wedding. I was actually dressed as Link. She came out to the, you know, the the, the Zelda song that everybody knows. That that's that's full nerd. That is awesome, but that is full nerd. Oh, oh man! I'll have to uh, send you pictures of <laughs> our invites, which were actually uh, Game Boys. Um, <laughs> That's were, awesome. Yeah, they were, they were Game Boys, and then the reply cards were uh, Nintendo controllers that they could check the answers to, and uh, and mail back. I'll have to send it to you. The cake was Zelda theme with a mixture of FIFA. My wife found this amazing uh, wedding cake topper featuring uh, a bride dragging a groom away at, where there's a, 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 a big screen TV and a, and a PlayStation 4. And it That's says, cool. like, FIFA 16 on there, and I've got the controller in my hand, what's supposed to be me, and she's dragging me away to, to the wedding. And that was our that was our wedding topper. So, so your and, wife, she, she sounds pretty cool with all this, then. This was her idea. Was really? Pretty, yes, yes. My wife is is... When I say she's a Zelda nerd, I, I mean she has destroyed every single Zelda game there is to play. And it's it's not just, oh, I beat him. Like, she goes around and finds every damn thing there is to find in the game. Like, she she is a, a – a, she sat down and watched – I think it took her about a year and a half, but she watched every single episode – of Star Trek, every series, every movie in order, including the animated series, and she watched she watched it all, every episode, everything. So, yeah, yeah, no. you, you've got to keep her there for sure. I, I thought it was cool. My wife plays video games, and for me, Halo is my big game. And uh, she, me, and her played that every night for years, and I thought that was awesome. But your wife is a uh, next level or maybe two levels above <laughs> she she uh is currently playing zelda on the switch and uh i heard know, that's good yeah you know it is fantastic um it's 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 an rpg style game 
Um, you're unlike previous Zelda games, like your weapons deteriorate as you use them. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you have to, cl- it's, it's very much an open world game that falls into that like Skyrim type, uh, of, of, uh, open world RPGs. So, um, but yeah, no, actually I, I got her into God of War, the God of War series. And she wound up beating every single one of them. Like, I haven't even beaten all of them. And she destroyed them, including the ones on the Vita. Like, I think it took her about a month. And it was just like, this is ridiculous. My wife is better at video games than I am. (laughs) And she just levels it. So, no, I mean, we have... We do so much nerd crap around this house. I mean, there are Marvel posters. There are... You know, the that's the same with way. us. Our living room has four pictures of, uh, you know, the artwork in our in our living room is one. I think it's Black Cat, um, and then there's uh, Poison Ivy, there's Harley Quinn, and then Cortana from Halo, and that's the art in our living room. And then we've got statues and and other Spider-Man artwork uh, all around the house. And my wife's really she's cool with it, and which is great for me because uh, I, you know, I wanted to keep it pretty much to my man cave, if you will, and uh, she's let it spilled out into the whole house now. My wife, uh, we have a fireplace, but it's a rental house, and so they have the uh, fireplace graded off. And my wife went and built using like paint uh, color samples. Yeah. She she built an eight bit Zelda f- uh, fire and and put it over the fireplace on a black poster <laughs> board. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and and in our room, there's a Civil War poster, a, a poster of Captain Marvel, and then uh, an Avengers and a Thor, like, wooden, you know, those wooden covers that Silver Buffalo sells that you can see, that you see in, like, Bed Bath & Beyond and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a couple of those. And then going down the hallway, we have an Age of Apocalypse um Poster, Spider-Man poster, Avengers, one of Thanos, and then a Deadpool poster. So, I, I was at to there was an estate sale down the street today, and uh, my wife parked, and I ran inside just to see what was in there. And I usually just, just look at those, you know, maybe find an old comic book or something. But I found a uh, a pretty large poster. I'd say it's about like twenty-five by forty uh, of the original Ninja Turtles from 1990 movie, and it's Donatello in a straw hat with a with a piece of grass hanging out of his mouth. Oh, and I remember, if you remember that scene, right. And it didn't, didn't have a price on it. I was like, hey, how much is this? And they're like, I don't know, $3? I was like, great. I come back in the car, my wife's like, why? And I'm like, I don't know, just because. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, my wife does that same thing with me. We wound up buying, I don't know if you saw the the, the, the bags, the Marvel Messenger bags that I posted. I didn't see that. I, I I'll, I'll have to repost it, but I I bought uh, there, the the one that I wanted was only available in the UK, and I didn't want to wait the month for it. And there were a couple that were like ten bucks, um, and on Amazon Prime, and then one that was a little bit more. And I wound up buying all three of those, and 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 then a thirty dollar bag that is is just spider-man's face and none of them like they close they didn't close the way i want they didn't have the pockets that i wanted and bear in mind that like i i 
you know, could have ordered this this ultimate Spider-Man bag, the one from the UK, like from the very beginning. But I finally break down and buy it, and it comes, and it is the most perfect bag in the world. It has everything that I want on it, and I'm like, oh, good. I only had to buy four other messenger bags, you know, spend around $100 before I got this. But at the same time, I look at my collection of messenger bags, and I've got, you know, a Wolverine, a Punisher, and three different Spider-Man bags, and and I'm like, you know, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, once your collection gets there, you forget about all the money you spent. So it, it ends up being worth it. Indeed. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a, a perfect chance for us to dive right into uh, the format of this podcast and the way that it's going to go down. Essentially, what we're going to do is run by downs, and each down will have a different topic, either football or comics. And we'll spend a little bit of time on that before moving on. And then at the end, there's OT, which is bonus time. And, and it, you know, in the event that we start getting questions, which I am sure we will as people start listening, um, you know, we'll use that time also to answer your questions. We don't really have any for the show this time. So we will just use OT uh, to tell you a little bit more about ourselves uh, though I feel like we kind of just did all that. Yeah, but, maybe. <laughs> but for first down, our first topic is Guardians of the Galaxy, which comes out on May 4th, has already had the world premiere. Um, I'm going to ask, man, where does Guardians rank for you in the pantheon of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies? I think it's top five. Uh, some people swear by it, love it. I mean, I have a good time every time we put it on. We usually put a, a Marvel movie on, I feel like, at least every other day, every third day or so for the kids or just for us hanging around the house. But Guardians of the Galaxy is one we go to often. And, and you can just put it on and have a good time. It's not, you know, there's never a sticking point in it where I'm like, I wish this didn't happen. I wish they didn't do that with this character. Because to be honest, uh, the Guardians were, relatively unknown for a lot of people before they made the movie. So, you know, when they make Spider-Man a fifth, sixth time, you hate the changes they make just because you love the character. For Guardians, they change a lot of things, but you really you don't care or don't, or, you know, or most people don't notice because, uh, you know, it's the first time you're really getting mainstream exposed to them. So I love the movie. I think it's definitely in the top five for them. It's one of their A-plus movies, I think, and, and Sounds like the reviews are part two are, are right in stride with that, if not a step above. So I'm excited. You know, the only complaint that I had about the the first movie, and it's less a com- I, I mean, it is a complaint, but it's just that I love Ronan, and I yeah. wish that Ronan ha- had been given more than than. You know, Marvel always seems to do that with any villain not named Loki or ultimately Thanos. The the, the villains are just sort of there to be beaten. I mean, I think that the only other villain that got any sort of airtime was Hugo Weaving as yeah. as uh, the Red Skull. Um, but uh, yeah, because they. I, they kind of just made Ronan a terrorist, like kind of like a, a, a you know, kind of a crazy, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, you know, a zealot, if you will. Yeah. And, and 
And he's more than that. He's kind of more com- complex, and he's got plans. He's got schemes. It didn't seem like he was planning much here. No, it really didn't. It just sort of seemed like he was, you know, on a crusade to just get justice, you know, as he saw it. Uh, and 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 it didn't really seem to line up with with the Cree Empire, so it wasn't exactly like he was an an agent of the Cree doing right. you know. Because I think he would have had more honor if he was working, you know. Yeah, Cree Ultimate Intelligence, like employee or something, like their you know the wet work team, the Black Ops. But he wasn't. He was just kind of out there on his own. Um, I like this story. I think, I mean, it made sense. You could understand, like, hey, all of my people have been killed. Like, I'm out for justice. It made sense. You just wish you would have seen more of him because he kind of went out like a chump. Yeah. And it's probably because we didn't feel anything towards that. Like, we should have got more of a backstory on the whole Cree and, and everything that's gone on. And to make me actually feel like, okay, why, why are you, why are all your people gone? You know, what, what was the battle? What was the war? What, you know, what happened? Who disgraced you? What, you know, whatever the case may be. So when, when it gets to the end and the whole fight, you're kind of like, you know, this guy's kind of a dick rather than, feeling anything towards the villain at all, which I think are usually the best movies when you do feel something for the villain and he still fails or he, or he succeeds at some point, you know, you, you, you get some emotion first, out of it. X-Men first class Magneto, I thought was the most, is the definitive job today yeah. of balancing a, a villainous character and couching his actions within understandable motives. Like, Magneto, you didn't feel he was a villain in that movie. You understood what he was doing. And people have tried to use that as a criticism, like, oh, he should be more of a villain. He's such a big villain for the, for the X-Men, which he is. But there, he's not wrong. He is not wrong in his crusade. He is not wrong in his beliefs. I mean, they are the superior. The humans have fuck shit up for a long time and 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 disgraced and and you know they 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 will get rid of the mutants on the first chance they can get and he's not wrong in what he says and what he went through and and everything that has happened you feel bad for him and you're kind of like you know magneto's right and if you had the same decision you might be on his side yeah yeah and 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 that's the thing they paint a a an understandable world in which his villainy isn't unjustified you know he he was a part of those concentration camps his mother was murdered right in front of him by a nazi soldier seeking to exploit his powers you know he wants to track these people down and make them pay for what they've done and he has the ability to do so um it it's just it's very understandable. It's very reasonable. Even in, in the other thing too is that for all that Magneto was a villain of the X Men, there were so many times when he partnered up with them. And oh yeah. There were so many different arcs where Charles Xavier died or or was captured or something in Magneto. Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. Age of Apocalypse is like the defining story 
where Xavier is gone and Magneto steps in to fulfill his mission. And, and it, it, I, I just think that comic book characters, the best villains in, in them, there's always a bit of good in them. And that's what makes them so unique is they're not, you know, Loki's not always a full-on villain. Maximus the Mad is not always a full-on villain. Um, Ronin is certainly not a full-on villain, you know, any more than Super Scroll is a full-on villain. Right, and they, they didn't show that with Ronin. In the movie, they, he is just basically a henchman for, for Thanos until he realizes he can possibly control the, you know, Infinity Stone and then he kind of becomes a full strength, full powered villain at that point. And even at that point, you know, like you said, he goes out in a, like a chump and he kind of does. So I hope he's not done. I hope Red Skull's not done too. I hope for a lot of these Marvel villains, they're not gone. I want to see more. I want to see their backstory. I want to see them get a chance to redeem themselves at some point. And it makes me think Thanos in Infinity Wars, they got to do him so well. They have to show his backstory. You have to feel some emotion towards him. He can't just be Ultron. He can't be somebody you really don't care for. The whole story centers around him as much as it does the Avengers. Can I ask if you think they should make the the motivation for Infinity Wars a bit better than what it was in the comics because I'll tell you from a how does this sell or if I were a movie goer I'm like wait a minute you mean to tell me that that psychotic fool ransacked the entire planet to please death right like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of like I can just see a world in which that's not well received on, like, there are some things you do need to change because they're too comic booky, and 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 that, to me, would be one of them that I would be okay with. Like, I'm not saying don't feature death. I'm saying make it a bit more complex than he's trying to please a woman. Yeah. I hear that because it, on the surface it, you would say, okay, that doesn't make sense. Or really, he's gonna snap his fingers, basically take away half the universe, and just for just to please a woman that doesn't even want him. I mean, how long do you go into the movie where you're like, she doesn't care about you, dude? Give it up. But I don't know. I, I think when I look at it in the motivation for Thanos. A lot of that is, is because he's emotionally unstable, I feel like. Not only from being cast away as being, you know, a, a deformity almost as a titan, but uh, he, his whole life he kind of doesn't have any friends. I think guys that are working for him, people that are working for him, don't trust him. He really can't. He's talking to uh, Mephisto, who's trying to manipulate him, and he's got all this influence around him, and he finally finds somebody he loves and he can't have her. And I think at that I think a lot of people can relate to you know, having nothing, falling in love, and then finding out you can't have that love or you can't be with that person, and it would turn you mad. It would turn you crazy. You would do some things that you're probably not proud of. So I think there is an angle they can do, and they can go deeper with it and make it strong and make sure you actually feel for them. Uh, but at the same time, there are some things you, they probably will change. I have faith they'll change a lot of it. Uh, but I don't think you throw away the whole uh, uh, him chasing death, you know, uh, in the movies. 
I'm not saying bin the entire thing. I'm I'm saying that having it be the sole motivation for acquiring these stones and raining down what will do you, be. Do you have a suggestion on what it should be? Like, because I always formulate ideas on, you know, they should do this with this guy. Um, I, I mean, world domination is is as good of a plot as any, I suppose. I'd probably need to marinate on it a bit more, but I, I, I can think of like, if, if I'm looking at arcs like infinity, I thought infinity was a good one. Like, I, I mean, ultimately, if you're trying to weaken earth so that you can acquire it for a specific reason, then that would make sense, I suppose. Somewhat how Malachus needed Earth because it it was an amplifier for the ether. Yeah. And that's why I think Thanos ultimately comes. Let's say his end game is power, which would be the Infinity Gauntlet getting all the gems. Uh, so, you know, if that's really what he's striving for, he has to go to Earth, and the Avengers are going to be defending the ones they know of by the time we get to that point in the, but in how the MCU. Many, but how many, how many of the of the stones are on Earth? There's just the one. The Tesseract is, is or was with the Collector along with the Aether, um, the... Uh, uh, Vision, Vision has, has the one, right? Has the one. Which, by the way, I can't wait for him to rip that out of Vision's head. I love Vision I, in the MCU, but I, I can't I, wait for that. Yeah, I'm also curious to see how Thanos is going to acquire the one that the Novacore has. Does he waste? Yep. Does he waste Glenn Close and, and right. Nova Prime? Like, how does that go down? Like, do they set up? Nova by having, right. you know, exactly. By, He's by the only having, one left, or mm-hmm. needs the world mind in the helmet. Like yeah. that, that'll be interesting. So I think there, I, I there are a lot of things that I'm interested to see play out with Thanos with with the gems, but they're going to have to come up with a reason for me as to why he's coming to earth because the vast majority of the gems are elsewhere. Yeah. So, but you know, I, you know, the two parts of it though, I wonder if the first one is just the chase for basically all the gems. We know where they're all at, what's yeah, going on with them. Yeah. How do they get located? I and then the second ends. one will be the fight, right? I think it ends with him maybe making half the world. Exactly what I think. Like exactly. Did. Snapping his fingers mm-hmm. and end it. That's kind of what I was thinking how the movie would end is that, like, you know, you'd suddenly look around and half of everybody would be gone. You'd be like, holy crap, we need help. That's when these other comment or these other movies air in between uh, yep. uh, Infinity Wars 1 and 2. And then that, you know, sets them up to bring those characters in because you need them. And ultimately, these characters will be brought back. Maybe one of them won't make it out of this thing or one or two yeah. of them. But I, and, I, for, I, and for people that don't know what we're talking about, when Thanos gets the gauntlet and he's got all the gems, he for a show of power, he snaps his finger and makes and, half and, of the universe disappear. It's, 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 it's his gift to death. Yeah. He, he wants to 
he wants to he tries to give her so much death that that you know she's overwhelmed with joy i guess and right so she'll be impressed or something it's a terrible plan <laughs> and for those who don't know what's going on okay all of these little gems i mean they've somewhat explained it but once they're acquired it makes the wearer of of the gauntlet nigh on, like godlike yeah omnipotent they they're, they're yeah. you can't do anything you want you, anything you can imagine, anything you he can turns, think of. He turns Nova into a bunch of baby blocks at mm-hmm. one point. You know what I mean? So it's like anything like that, just weird stuff. He could do anything he wants with it. Turns Nebula into this, like, disgusting, deformed, yep. like, half-dead thing. So I... I, I the 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 what and why of him collecting all of these stones, I think that the audience needs to be given a display of their power because otherwise, you know, they've spent so much time seeing people defend them. Well, why? Why? What's the big deal? Who cares if someone, oh, shit. All right, I get it. That guy shouldn't have all of those stones. We probably need to get that glove off his hand. Like, and and the only way to do that is a raw display of power, which leaves a massive cliffhanger and makes people want to come back for more, which would be a perfect ending for the movie and and for the the setup to the sequel. And and to get back to Guardians of the Galaxy because that's supposed to be our first down, you know, I'm excited to see what role they play in this because... Oh, you know, it, what's awesome is is uh, there was... The, uh, I don't mean to interrupt there, but there was... They're, they're going to make Guardians 3. And do you remember how there was an Inhumans movie and they yeah. scrapped it? Okay, yep. well, the actual end of Phase 3 did not end with Infinity Wars 2. It actually ended with Inhumans, which I believe was intentional by Marvel because what they were going to do at that point is you would have been introduced to so much comic stuff. The only thing left is mutants, which they don't right. have the right to. But Inhumans function as, as, as essentially the same thing. So they were going to introduce them, and then Phase 4 is the entire Marvel world. You just have everything all set up. But now... Uh, Inhuman or Inhumans has been pulled, but Guardians Three is actually going to be the end of Phase Three, and it's going to wrap up a lot of things and then set up Phase Four. So I am I am curious uh, to see how this whole thing is going to play out and what they're going to do with it as a trilogy. Yeah, I, I'm with you too because, like I said when we started this down, uh, Guardians to me is still one of the lower, in my terms of knowledge and overall for Marvel. Uh, mostly because I think the more newer team is is much more interesting than the way it was, you know, originally for the Guardians. They were uh, a mismatch of a, of a bunch of characters that really haven't come to the mainstream. I feel like you know maybe maybe at most Vance Astro is kind of you know if if you know his name, but really Yandu as it was with them. But um, you know, so for me watching this new team and watching them and then now seeing them get thrusted in with the Avengers, my most experience with that is from uh, uh, from cartoon shows and recent cartoon shows, whether it was uh, Spider Man or what's the uh, 
the Avengers one that not the one that's on now, the the Avengers one before Earth this. Mightiest. Yes, thank Earth you, because that mightiest. that's the that's the best Avengers cartoon, and I'm drawing yep. a blank on it. But they were in that too, and so it's kind of interesting to see how they're going to interact, and uh, just seeing that one clip that Marvel posted with Star Lord, and I think it was Spider Man and Tony Stark standing there, and they were talking, and uh, and I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be fun. It really, it really is, man. I can't wait for it. And I just want to say this. You know, I was talking about this with someone. The, I, I'm, I'm a huge wrestling mark. I grew up watching wrestling, and I had my my expectations for Dave Batista were. I don't really know how low I could describe <laughs> they were. It's it's about what I have for a Ben Affleck superhero movie. Okay. <laughs> like that's that's about the level of but he has been just outstanding. Yeah, I he actually brought more character to Drax than I think Drax ever had. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the way that he plays him too, it doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem. It just it, it's so fitting of the character and of Batista, and it's it's just the perfect fit for for the Guardians. And I, I just kudos to Dave, man. I, I I mean, he's done such a great job. Yeah, and I saw him last year. I think it was at uh, Toronto uh, Fan Expo, and he's a big dude. And you know, just yeah, of course really you expect is. that. Yeah, but then when you uh, saw him, I'm like, man, that's Drax. He's pretty big. <laughs> that's the full story of that. Just sometimes when you see these guys, you're just impressed by him. Yeah, I remember the first time that uh, that I had met Leonard Williams, and I was standing next to him, and I'm like, okay, so. This is what an NFL top five defensive end looks like. Right. You know? so, I mean, it, 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 some dudes are just jacked. And I met Batista when he was here in Bakersfield. I won't mention why we ran into him or what he may have wanted from us. But uh, uh, let's just <laughs> – All right. <laughs> It's 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 not as awe inspiring as it sounds. It was okay. It was, it was just pot. <laughs> oh, that's that's exactly what I thought it was. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I, I suppose I shouldn't leave people hanging thinking like, hey, did this guy do coke with Batista? No, right. no, just he wanted pot, man. And my roommate happened to be selling. Um, this is very yeah, normal. That's... Yeah, very very normal in college, you know, but. But uh, all it took was for me to get robbed at gunpoint the one time, and I was like, yeah, I'm over this. Um, But, uh, yeah, Dave Batista is just a huge dude, a huge dude. And, uh, yeah, I don't don't know that many people had high hopes for him um, as an actor, but I I think he certainly improved – uh, his his station in life and and what people think of him as an actor. I mean, I don't expect him to go on and become the next Rock. I don't think he's that diverse, but he's clearly not as crappy as yeah. as people thought he was going to be. But um, what's up? I was yeah, gonna say yeah. Is there? I was gonna say one final thing for Guardians too. Uh, is there anything you're hoping to see or waiting to see for me? 
like we've got baby Groot right now and they're marketing that like crazy. But I want him to just like when they need him to to when let's say the rest of the Guardians are having trouble or they're in a big battle, I can't wait for him to just fully transform and grow into big normal Groot as we as we know him now and uh you know just fuck shit up at that point cuz I think for me that's I don't know if everyone's expecting that if they don't know he can just pretty much grow when he's ready to and he only yeah. got enough energy. So for me I'm expecting and waiting for that. Yeah, I I I'm excited to see how ego is done. Yeah. I've I've always enjoyed Ego the Living Planet. I think it's going to be interesting to 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 see how that plays out. Um see what changes they made, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I mean, I the, the, for those who don't know uh Jason of Spartax, which is uh, Star-Lord's father, he's one of the biggest dicks in all of, <laughs> of the comics like the guy is i mean when when you think of a politician who is just a total tool that would be jason and spartax like he just does not care there are a couple comics where uh like the one where actually uh he he, he falls for medusa um but uh yeah no it uh, that guy is a massive ass. So I'm I'm curious to see how he's done, how how they're gonna play that out, how ego will play out, and and yeah, I don't know. I mean, outside of that, I I I love Groot. I mean, I'm sure they'll do something with him, um, but it 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 doesn't excite me as much as meeting new characters. I love new characters in Marvel films, and so that's probably the most exciting for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, before we go too far on, the, you know, running along on just this first down, we should probably get to second down. And yep. draft talk. Yeah, it's my favorite part of this of the NFL season. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's uh, well. I, I, I think one of the things that I enjoy most about it was that it happened a lot sooner than it does now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I it's, it, it kind of sucks because, you know, covering the Rams, the Rams have no, for, they, they traded that to get Jared Goff. So I get to wait for day two on the draft, but, uh, that means you get to enjoy day one, though, without disappointment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually excited to see how day one is going to play out. There are several teams that I'm really excited to see uh, to see them play out, to see to see what they pick, who they pick, what route they go. Cleveland would be one of them. Yeah, because there was um, reports today that they may not take Garrett, and I'm like, man. It reminds me of when the uh, Texans had the first pick, and and uh, everyone thought Reggie Bush, maybe Vince Young, and then the, the week before, it's like, oh, Mario Williams. It's like, really? What? Where'd this come from? So, man, if that's if that's real though, it's going to shake up the the first ten picks easily because teams are going to try and move, and they're going to want to get Garrett. I'm not as high on Garrett. The numbers weren't there against stiffer competition. 
he should have been better for his size, his athleticism, his ability. He could have been more impactful, but I still like him as a prospect. I look at him more as a prospect than a player, if that makes sense. Uh, I think, you know, that's the guy you would take top five every single year at defensive end uh, because of the size, athleticism, because he did have good production, uh, whether it was good against good competition or not. And the way he moves, the, the you know, I, he's very flexible. He's almost like Gumby at times getting around the corner. He's a top five prospect in any year. So for me, better prospect than, than player, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree. I look at Cleveland's offensive line, and I say there are some options there that I think uh, might be a bit more helpful than Miles Garrett. But um, everything I've seen from the Browns so far seems to suggest that Garrett is their guy. Uh, plus, um didn't Ben Albright make his personal guarantee that Miles Garrett was going to to be drafted? Yeah, and I believe uh, a guy I've been following a long time, a Brendan Leister. He's a Browns fan, and he's I think he's a coach in high school right now. Uh, but he was at a coaching summit, coach, and it was a few uh, Browns coaches there, and they were like, "It's no discussion. It's it's Garrett. They're not even considering other people." But maybe that's the coaches. Maybe the scouts have a different thing. It's, it kind of seems like. The Browns are a little torn between the analytical department, the front office, and the coaches. So uh, maybe that's where that's coming from. But I think at the end of the day, it's got to be Garrett. Well, they certainly have uh, invested quite a bit into the analytical side. So I understand why they'd be torn by it. I mean, you don't go and hire a guy like Dee Podesta unless you want to incorporate analytics in a strong and considered manner. Um, otherwise, yeah, you either go all in or you don't. Yeah, if you're going to hire D. Podesta, then you need to be willing to commit to what he does and and what his, his uh, I guess I, you would call it, lineage is, you know? <laughs> I yep. mean... Look at who he's trained under. Look at where he got his start. Look at, you know, where his successes have been. So I think, I you know, I'm, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what the Browns do. I'm also quite curious to see what the Jags do and what the Titans do. Yeah, I think the Titans are a team that could uh, have a big impact next year. And if they nail this draft with two picks in the top 20, especially number one, I think it's 5 and 18 they have, they could really set this team up to be good. Yeah, I, I, man, the Titans are are sitting pretty, um, not just with picks, but with, with some of the talent that they have. And Marcus Mariota is as advertised. I, I, always thought that that kid was going to be good. Um, you know, just having watched him play at Oregon uh, for as long as, as I had, um, I knew that there was more to him. Than, and, and, you know, people who call Chip Kelly's offense a gimmick do not understand what Chip Kelly's offense is. Like, right. that's how I know whether or not I'm talking to somebody who understands fans football or somebody who just likes and watches football like you tell me it's a gimmick offense i tell you you have no idea what you're talking about i I just think the old school yeah the old school people just 
you know, it's hard for them, I think, to grasp kind of the new concepts and the faster pace and getting your guys in, in advantageous positions all the time and having multiple options on every play. So for, you know, for them, for them they, they see it as a gimmick. I think they'd rather just – hey, you probably thought – about the people who, who, who say, oh, Oregon's gimmicky passing off, right. you know – and I'm like, okay, if you're calling Oregon a gimmicky passing offense, that tells me you know jack crap about what Oregon was doing because Chip Kelly was all about getting numbers to run the ball straight up the middle. Yep. Like, yep. That, that, that was Chip Kelly's philosophy and remained Chip Kelly's philosophy. So if you're calling them a gimmicky passing team – then I don't care if you're a I see what you're old, saying. An old guy, you just you you frankly have no clue what you're talking about. I see what you're saying. You're you're saying like gimmicky as in like trick play type offenses and offense and yeah fe- yeah. Fe- well, you're right. You well, like you said, it's all about numbers and getting the numbers advantage on every single play. And if that's gimmicky, I mean, I think that's what every offense tries to do anyway. It just seems like they that's their sole focus. Right. Like, Chip Kelly has flat out said, our idea, uh, like, the whole point of our offense is to shift the balance of numbers in our favor and to make sure that we are sending more guys than you have the ability to cover. Yep. So, I, I mean, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious, though, how do you see, like, give me your top five. Like, who do you – who do you have in your – not necessarily – because teams will draft by what they need, and, and right. that can change a top five order. Sure. I'm asking just pure and simple, who do you think the best – the, the top five players in the 2017 NFL draft are? Yeah, I think Garrett is number one just based on being a being – a, a prospect that you'll check every box on. And I, like I said, I think he's a top five prospect in a year. Uh, for me, I love Solomon Thomas. I really do. I know a lot of people aren't 100% sure with him. I think I know exactly what he is, and I think I, he's only ascending and getting better. I, I think you can watch the progression in the last two years if you watch his games in order. I feel like even if you watch this year, it, how good he got as every game progressed and as the season progressed. I think it's clicking for him. He's young, he's big, he's he's athletic, he's strong. Yeah, I think sometimes the tape is bad when he gets in the uh, positions where he shouldn't be, playing inside versus a run, things like that. I think if he's at end on your base downs, he's going to be great against the run. And I think if you kick him inside and nickel and let him rush from inside that first step, that explosion, he's got some natural power to him. Uh, he's going to be dominant. I think he's going to be a very, very good player. I don't think he's far behind Garrett at all. I'm, I'm a big fan of Solomon Thomas. After that, I think Corey Davis. Uh, I know he may end up going in the 20s this, in this draft, but I, for me at receiver. I'm certainly hoping so for the Rams. Yeah. I think he checks every single box. I think he is he's big, he's athletic, he's fast, he runs tremendous routes. He's unnaturally agile and explosive. For a bigger receiver, a guy who's six three, two ten, and I think he's even he looks he's played heavier than that. But you'll see him get the jump balls. His run after the catch is great. Uh, yeah, he may not go against top competition all the time at Western Michigan, but teams are doubling him. Teams are jamming him, putting a linebacker underneath and a safety over top, and he still found ways to dominate. I, I just I think he's a, a, a 
a top receiver prospect in most years. I think not being able to work out for teams is going to drop him down because he's going to have an incomplete grade from a lot of teams. And that's going to, you know, it's going to hurt him ultimately. But I, I love him. I think Corey Davis is a very good prospect. After that, I put Malik Hooker, safety. I think when you have elite range and ball skills, it puts you in a rare category. I think it puts you in, in, a, you know, position to get to so many balls that normal safeties can't get to. I think safety is probably the weakest position in the NFL right now overall for depth, and you look across the league. Uh, so for me, I would aim to get Hooker. Again, another guy with injuries that I don't think uh, teams are going to buy in, one-year starter, but in that one year with seven interceptions, and you watch that range in ball skills, he's not normal. He's he, If he ended up being, people want to compare him to Ed Reed, and if he ended up being that, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I think... It's not crazy to compare guys to Hall Ohio of Famers. Ohio State is turning out DBs. Yeah. They've got, they could have three going to the top 15. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, Luke Fickle's now at Cincinnati, but Luke Fickle, the work he did with the Ohio State secondary is the reason that that guy got a head coaching job. Like, if I were a defensive back of any type, and Luke Fickle came to my school to recruit me, I would be all about listening to what that man had to say. Yeah, whatever they're doing over there, uh, it's working. And if you say it's, that's the coach, then yeah, for sure. Uh, and I don't, you know, I think that was number four for five. I don't know who I put there at five. For me, I, I, I love Christian McCaffrey. I think in, so some way he he's he got underrated at, at some point during the after the season and maybe it wasn't playing in the bowl game. People look at him as a white running back, smaller, weren't sure how athletic he was. You know, was it kind of like a deceptive he athleticism refused, thing? He refused private workouts. Yeah, too, I saw that. Which is which isn't necessarily helpful. I don't think it's bad either, though. You know, when he put together as much production and tape as he did. He goes to the combine and he looked fantastic. He was running routes like a receiver. He was tracking the ball like a receiver. He looked agile. He was quick. He was explosive. The only knock on him is his size. But when you watch the tape, it doesn't hinder him at all. They're running power at Stanford and he's running behind this fullback and he's running it up, up the middle and making guys miss and taking glancing blows. And they rarely get a, a clean shot on him because he's elusive and because he's smart and because he doesn't like guys just crush him. Uh, I, for me, I, I think he's the best running back in this class, especially when you consider character, because I think Joe Mixon is really good, but I can't even, I, you know, really come around my, the idea of drafting him, but even though my team may end up doing it, the Bengals, uh, I think McCaffrey is the total package, and for me, he could be LaShawn McCoy in the NFL, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'd, if the Panthers, there's rumors now, Panthers may take him at eight, I think that's a great fit, and I think he would flourish there. I was kind of, you know, hoping for the Rams' sake that, that, you know, Joe Mixon's still around, not necessarily at 37, um, but but they don't pick again until the fourth round. And I don't think he'll fall that far, but we've seen crazier things happen yeah. because because of stuff like that. And if if Joe Mixon were to fall to the fourth round when the Rams pick, I I think that look 
the Rams schematically have a choice. They can run their offense through Todd Gurley, who really needs to be running out of a power eye formation traditionally. Uh, he's sort of a, a traditional running back in that sense. He's not very good out of out of the shotgun. Much um, like uh like uh Leonard Fournette right now. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the Rams have Jared Goff, who is not very good under center and uh the Rams could could really use an offense that works. So the options are thus are this. The the Rams can line up and, and give Jared Goff a look like he had at Cal. I'm not saying they have to go into a bear raid formation, but Sean McVay's the type of guy who's gonna run four and five wide uh sets. Um he's gonna incorporate his tight ends, uh, he's gonna operate out of the shotgun, and I think that that is favorable to Jared Goff. I think that he can succeed in the NFL in an offense geared toward helping him achieve his potential. But in doing so, that also makes it basically impossible for Todd Gurley to succeed. So I I, I think Joe Mixon's the type of guy that the Rams could take that that would allow them to operate out of a base shotgun formation and and still be able to pick up yards and then Todd Gurley can can line up under center or the Rams can seek to trade him to a team that that uh that could use him more appropriately. And you know the Bengals are in the same scenario because they have Andy Dalton, very similar, has to run has to play out of shotgun, spread it out type. Uh, but they took Jeremy Hill. When I when they took Bernard, I was like, okay, this fits. This is perfect. This is the offense they're going with. They went with a bunch of receivers when it was uh, Sanu and Marvin Jones, AJ Green. They drafted Tyler Eifert. They had Andrew Hawkins as backing up a receiver. I'm like, okay, they're building this great spread offense. This is going to work. This is going to be great around Andy Dalton. And then they took Hill. And somewhere along the line, they got confused. A lot of guys got hurt in 2014. They went to a power eye formation run with Hill in his rookie year. And he was perfect for it, and he carried them in a lot of games and helped them get to the playoffs again. Uh, the following year, everyone's healthy. They try to spread it out again and still use Hill. And then now for two years now, Hill's been terrible. Besides playing against the Browns and running it down their throat in the second half when they're down by 20 points, uh, Hill's been bad, really, really bad. And I think it's because the mix sucks. And it's more important to make sure your quarterback is playing well than it is to have your running back play well. And, uh, you know, for the Rams, uh, I think you invest uh, more in, especially oh, for sure. if you're the Rams, they've and invested how much in Jared Goff? And it's more important to get your quarterback to play well. If you've got a quarterback playing well and a running back playing well on two different teams, I tell you which team's going to make the playoffs. And so it's, it's a no-brainer for them to do it. It just sucks to invest a pick in a running back high, whether that's top 10 or, or top 15 for the Rams and, or a second round for the Bengals and Hill. And for me, you know, I don't want them, if Fournette, it was rumored that the Bengals really like Fournette. And for me, I'm like, you're making the same mistake again. You know, these yeah, teams can't get out like of their way. the same guy. Almost, yeah. Just maybe a super-powered version of Hill. But even then, it's still a bad schematic fit. 
And when you watch the Bengals, and I think I just saw a breakdown, uh, the Bengals run out of the shotgun. I think, and I don't mean run, I just mean uh, get up to the line on shotgun like 65% of the time, and they pass like 77% out of that. They come under center uh, 30% of the time, and they run out of that like 80%. And that's like you're telling teams exactly what you're doing before you go out there. And that's only to make Hill comfortable and to make Dalton comfortable. (laughs) It's not working. So uh, to your point about uh, the the mixture of Goff and Gurley, how they're going to do it, I don't know. And if they run in that same scenario where they basically have to tell defenses what they're doing before they do it, it's extremely hard to be successful. And that's why I think the Bengals like Mixon. To your credit, you said the same thing, that uh, he would be a good fit for that. I think the Bengals are all in on Mixon, and if he's there at 41, that's their pick. Yeah, I know, like I said, I don't expect him to be there for the Rams. Uh, if they if they don't take him at 37, then then they're essentially conceding that he will go elsewhere. Um, and I can't justify taking him at number 37. There are too many other things the Rams need that, yeah. that you know, drafting Joe Mixon as great as he may be in the offense. It's more important to get a big receiver, I think. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I want to talk for a minute because a lot of people are really high on Juju Smith-Schuster, and, and you're not as high on him. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I, as also, I am not. Although I'm not because I think he's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. Mm. Um, that's why I wouldn't take him if I were a GM. As I, I, I look at how much USC funneled their offense through him in 2015 with yeah. Cody Kessler unable to, to throw the football to somebody else. It was, it was kind of absurd. How, how often he had the ball in his hands, how many it, hits he took. It made him look good in a lot of games, I feel like. And, that you know, I think that collu- that kind of dilutes the, the uh, minds of fans watching or, or people that, are that, you know, want their team to draft him because there's a lot of opportunities or bad balls thrown to him where he goes up and he makes a play. And to his credit, he can do that. But I think there's a lot of them where he doesn't come down with it and or he can't make the play in contested situations or he doesn't always come down with it. And, yeah, you can't expect 100% success. But when you're an average athlete, you have to be Anquan Bolden. You have to be Steve Smith. Now, Steve Smith was a great athlete. But I just mean you in those situations, you have to come down with it all the time. You have to be exceptional. And I'm not sure he's exceptional in those situations. I think he's good, but I think in the NFL it's just going to get tighter and harder to always win that way. A guy similar to that was a couple of years ago was uh, Jalen Strong. He went to the to the Titans. I mean, not Titans. He went to the Texans, and uh, I, I didn't like him. him. I loved him in in college too. See, I didn't like him for the same situations. I didn't feel like he separated enough, and in terms, it made him struggle in contested scenarios. I thought the same when the Bengals took Tyler Boyd. I thought here's an average athlete that won a lot of contested situations at Pitt, but he lost a lot too. It was like a 50-50 chance when it, against man coverage with him, and he's not that kind of guy, uh, you know. So for those guys, I try to stay away from them. I don't. I, for me, I wouldn't target Juju uh, Smith-Schuster in the second. I think there's a chance he's there in the third round. And, and in that case, I, I'd consider him. But I think I want to put him in the slot, and hopefully he, most of the targets are against zone coverage. And you know, run, let him run after the catch. Let him be a tough guy over the middle. But other than that, I don't think I'm using him in ways to stretch the field or in the red zone unless it's just because 
you know, he's got a big body and he's got good hands. But besides that, I, I don't. He's not a guy I'm targeting. I feel like there's so many receivers in this draft I'd rather target before I get to him. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Um, anything else you want to cover with regard to the draft? We've kind of gone through top five picks. We've looked at the uh, the Bengals. We've kind of looked at the Rams and what they need. Um, I get, I, you know, I don't know if, uh, I mentioned draft candidates necessarily, but I think if you're going for a wide receiver, if you're the Rams, then you need to look at Corey Davis. If he falls to a range in those twenties, then I think you need to look at moving up to grab him. I I just, it, 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 the Rams need a primary wide receiver, and Corey Davis, to me, just seems like the only true number one receiver in this draft. If you're not if, – if you're trying to find a number one receiver that is NFL ready, then Corey Davis is the guy you draft. Yeah, and he's more dynamic than Mike Williams. I just don't think Williams is quick enough or agile enough to be that guy who turns into a great route runner and gets separation. I think – if you like Williams, it's because you need a role player, and he's great in the, in ball skills and body control, red zone. He should be perfect for that, and he would be a great fit for the Rams for what they need. To be honest with you, uh, but I don't. If you need a number one type, I don't think Williams is that guy. I don't think he's going to run every route. I don't think he's going to win in every single way. I think Corey Davis will. And uh, some people really like John Ross. I love John Ross too, but I don't think he's a number one. I think I like he's John. Deshaun Jackson. It, you know, what Deshaun Jackson was never a fully number one guy. Well, and John Ross doesn't solve the size problem that the right. Rams have. John Ross is another Pharaoh Cooper, is another Tavon Austin, is another. It's, you're, Man, you're I was not a fan of Pharaoh Cooper at all. <laughs> now you just yeah. brought up that name. I forgot about him completely. Yeah, and. and the Rams have have gone for that type of receiver in, in far too many drafts. If you're gonna take a guy, then 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 take a guy that's going to create some diversity within the offense. Agree. And uh, John Ross is not gonna do that. But I love John Ross for the Bengals because uh, spreading, yeah. take, taking the top off the defense for uh, for A.J. Green to work more freely. Mm-hmm. You know, with Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert inside, I think Ross would he'd – he'd see single coverage a lot, and that would scare defenses. And if they'll start backing it off, and then which will help the run game and help everyone else. So I, I, I think Tony Pauling uh, reported today that the Bengals gave him a clean bill of health for his knees, which is huge in this process for if he's going to be drafted when or where. Um and for the Bengals to give him that clean bill and that he's an option at nine, uh, that 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 really got my attention. That would be so much fun. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. The other guy that I'd be looking at where you possibly maybe uh, move up uh, uh, would be a guy like Forrest Lamp. Um, the, the Rams need something uh, by way of, of – uh, an, an offensive lineman for the future. Uh, all of the guys that they brought in, including Whitworth, they, though healthy, are on the older side of things. Um, and it doesn't really help them build for the future. It helps them 
to win now, which is obviously what they want, but they, they need to get some guys in because Greg Robinson didn't work out. Now, hopefully he works out on the right-hand side, uh, but uh, they 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 need somebody in there for the future. So there are a couple off- offensive linemen that will be available, although there's probably going to be a lot of spillover into that second round. So the question of, you know, how – how do you value the different position groups within the the need of the team? Because the team need offensive linemen, they need a receiver, they need a cornerback, and there are going to be several of those available as well. I, I think it is highly likely that Corey Davis is going to be there Later on in the draft, I think that the Rams would be super wise to to grab him. I think that would be the play. That would be awesome. That would be uh, you know, it'd be worth to move up for them. I think we should get on the third down yep. before people get uh, too long into the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Inhumans. The Inhumans are getting a backstory this summer in Once and Future Kings. Uh, it's going to be written by Christopher Priest. Uh, if you don't know about the Inhumans, they are Marvel's uh, – they, they first appeared um, in in the 45th episode of the Fantastic – or 45th episode, 45th issue <laughs> – of the Fantastic Four. So you're talking 1965 uh, when we first met the Inhumans. That is to say they have been around for a while. Um, and and so uh, they are, without a doubt, one of the oldest. Um, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, a lot of people might be unfamiliar with them because uh, they tend to be additional characters within a, a major story, uh, but aren't quite the uh, the 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 character. So. Um, people aren't necessarily familiar with the Inhumans. So the royal family is basically this. It is, uh, you you have Black Bolt, who is the leader of the Inhumans. Um, can, can I say one thing? The best thing about Black Bolt is his full name is Blackagar Boltagon. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is silly, but great. It's, 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 it, it is my favorite name, and I try and use it as often as possible, just because it is it is such an amazing name. Um, but see, the thing about Blackagar is that he can't speak. Uh, if he does, he he would level the world. Um, that's basically his inhuman power is his voice destroys shit. Um, it's like a nuke every time he speaks, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, but but he is the king of the inhumans, and his queen is Medusa, who has long flowing red hair that she obviously uh, has control over, 
and it has super strength and and she uses it uh fairly proficiently and even uh, if her hair's cut off she has control over it still correct i believe i remember uh, some a, a few things where they cut it off and she's still strangling someone uh, yeah, I, I believe there there are instances where that is the case. Though I don't, I I I I am not an Inhumans expert. Though oh, I me either. Read, I have read enough these days. I'm starting to read more and more. Um, that now the 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 Inhumans at present actually have abandoned the royal family. Uh, they they have moved into a democracy uh, after uh, inhumanity in which a Terrigen – basically, the world was covered in Terrigen mist, and inhumans are popping up all over the place. Uh, the, the royal family decided to step aside and allow a democracy to take place, and that's – basically where we are now but in within the royal family there are other members uh that 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 are key members of the inhumans like karnak who is a royal advisor and karnak's power even though he hasn't undergone terrogenesis uh is that karnak can see the flaw in all things just by staring at something he can see where its weak point is where it would collapse where it would fall apart or break um so that is karnak's power and then there's lockjaw who is the uh teleporting dog that that brings them uh the inhuman family most place uh and then there's gorgon um who is basically sort of the enforcer the guy who protects the family um and and he's got you know sort of a centaur type dude with hooves that if he smashes them down they can create earthquakes and and all sorts of crazy crap um uh, and there are a couple other characters, but uh, there's Black Bolt's brother Maximus, uh, who is often called Maximus the Mad. Um, he uh, he is usually the foil <laughs> in most Inhuman stories, uh, but there are plenty of times when he works with the Inhumans to overcome crap. Um, but they're they're sort of an interesting interesting uh, uh family. I am I am excited for this storyline. They've been around forever and we have no idea how they came into power. Right. They've Cause, always just been. Yeah, cuz you kind of get like the the history of how um inhumans were created because like you say they're they've been around forever but they've literally been around forever it was the kree and scroll uh war that was going on before mankind basically the homo sapiens were on earth uh i believe it was the kree set up a base on uranus uh to and they wanted to test on basically cavemen to try and splice dna and create super soldiers uh uh you, you know to fight and 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 promote their own evolution so uh what ended up happening though happening though was they they abandoned the project and obviously thousands of years later millions of years later uh 
there's the Inhumans are, are around. They go and they kind of live underground, not literally underground, but in their own secret society, and they promote with from within, and they really control who who gets the mist, who you know, because some people get pretty much mutating the gross things from it. So it's pretty much the purest of the pure end up in the royal family. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's kind of interesting how the, how they do it. It's a lot of it's evolution. A lot of it is a caste system and, and royalty all at once. So I found the flesh all that out and how they actually, you know, uh, go about uh, selecting members and, and everything. It, it, I'm interested to see that. Yeah, and one of the cool things that's going to end up happening is we're going to see how Medusa, who's probably uh, outside of Carol Danvers, the most independent woman in all of Marvel's universe. Like she's pretty I, sexy. I yeah, I would put <laughs> I would put Medusa like in 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 no particular order. Misty Knight, Medusa, and in Carol Danvers as independent women. Yeah. As, right. as the as the top three, I don't need your ass. Like I can handle this on my own. And because uh, I'm a spider a Spider Man stand, I think Black Hat kind of fits into that a little bit. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely include her in there. Um, and and I yeah. So I I. I am interested to see how and, Medusa ends up with Black Bolt because the thing that they set up in this is that Medusa's going to be really independent and, and they're trying to set her up with people and, and she's obviously not interested, has has no interest in these people whatsoever. Um, and, and yet we'll end up with Black Bolt. We know Who can't speak. Yeah, who can't right. speak. So, so he's not spitting any game at all. No, I'm I'm curious to see how those two end up together and, and what what it is that... that, it, that there's a show involved. coming too, though, right? Yeah, they are going there forward is. with the show. Yeah, I think it's supposed are, to come out in September. Yeah, they're going forward with a show... Um, and I, I'm actually probably more excited for the show than I am the movie. I think the Inhumans will function better as a show because it plays out like a Shakespearean drama. And I think that that works really well for television. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. For Especially because... The show. They'll probably keep them as a secret society, you know, and not really in the forefront of of because they try to say the shows are connected to the MCU, but the longer you watch them, you realize they're not. They're just operating within the MCU rather than yeah. influencing it. Uh, and, so and the MCU movie division has no damn interest in the television. They don't read about the yep. internal politics. Like they could. That's that's when shit. I stopped watching Agents of Shield. Was when I was like, oh okay, it's never gonna happen. Okay, I'm out of here. You know what? Actually, though, I feel like once Agents of Shield stopped trying to like, it got better. It actually got better. Like it truly is one of the better shows on television. At that's this what I hear. Point. Be all because they stop trying to service the movies. And the irony of that, though, is that the point at which Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes can't-miss television 
TV Captain America Winter Soldier tie-in. I will say that was an awesome couple weeks when that movie came out, and I was like, "No way!" Because for me, that's the best Marvel movie uh, is is Winter Soldier, and just the the bomb drop of the Hell Hydra in each other's ears, and I'm like, "No, mm. it's still around. What's going on?" You know, it really leveled the playing field of the entire MCU. It's just like you know, a chessboard flipped upside down, and then you come back the following Tuesday, and Agents of Shield was on, and I'm like, "What's going to happen? Who? What's going on?" So for that that couple weeks. I thought was well executed, even though when you hear the backstory, it was Ward, chaos. I mean, Ward was, I just did not see that. He's one of the best villains in the MCU now. Oh, so good. So good. And I did not see that coming, man, because I I, I, I knew that Victoria Hands in the comic books, she's a double agent, you know, yeah. Um, so, so she has that about her in the comics, and I wasn't sure if they were going to use her in that role. And, and you know, on that episode, they get in the elevator, and Ward just like <laughs> snap, clap, 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 yep. drops her, and you're just like, wait a minute, what just happened? And you right, know, you were expecting it the other way around. If you knew what she was or who she was, you know, yeah, I thought there was a chance she would kill him. Yeah, yeah, and I thought she was going to be like, you know, Hail Hydra, and then instead it turns out to be, which, you know, I'm curious, and, and, and we'll circle back to the Inhumans real quick before moving on, but where do you come down on, because I'm presently reading Secret Empire, um, and I'll admit that I've not kept up on all the stories you know, that led into Secret Empire. I'm just kind of jumping aboard with Captain America already having declared his allegiance to Hydra and, and you know, him being a Hydra agent. Like, where do you come down on that? Like, the, the, a lot of people are pissed off about that, which I don't get. How do comic book fans, like, not see this stuff coming? There's always twists, and there's always things that will be explained. I think, you you know, until it goes plays all the way through, you always feel like there's a double cross coming or he's brainwashed or, you know, it's something – it's a long con or whenever these things happen to a major character. So I don't know. You know, you just kind of got to go with it. I'm not reading it currently, but I've had, I have read some reviews and some summaries and I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't know why people are are freaking out. It's just you're you're right. I think these are the it's things you do. It's actually not bad. Like I'm reading Secret Empire. I read the Zero issue, and and I'm like, okay, this seems like it's going to be a pretty interesting story. You know, I mean, it's it's there. I feel like there's going to need to be some significant payoff so that I understand why all of this is happening and how all of this happened. But um, I don't, I think the story is actually written fairly well. And I don't know how far you've gotten. I just read, I clicked on a spoiler. Cause like I said, I'm not reading it. All, and all they, all, all they have is a zero issue so far. So that's, oh, okay. that's yeah, that's, that's what I've read. But then maybe well, this was a preview to what's going to come, but he kills someone pretty important, uh, 
Captain America. And, uh, you know, I read it and I was like, oh, okay. So it made me kind of want to pick it up and see what was going to happen and how we got to that point. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty interesting to see how it plays out. These these events usually do have have some kind of major death in in, in them. So I'll be curious to see uh, who it is uh, and and how it plays out in the Marvel universe. But uh, you know, coming back to the Inhumans, um, I I. I'm looking forward to the show. Is there any character that you're especially looking forward to to having them played out on the big, well, the little big screen? Yeah, I do want to see Medusa. I like for reasons we talked about. I, you know, I always thought she was cool, powerful, sexy. You know, the hair is awesome. But her sister Crystal. I mean, both of them were in the Fantastic Four at some point too, which I think is fun. I don't know if they'll never be able to get to that stuff in movies or show. But, uh, you know, just to see them interact. And, like, Crystal's interesting to me because she can control the elements, earth, wind, you know, fire, earth, uh, water, things like that. But she's also super vulnerable to pollution. And, you know, the world is polluted. So it, it's interesting to see her balance that. And she uh, she gets help from Reed Richards and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I guess those are, besides Black Bolt, I guess he can't talk. But how do you show that in a show? Do you, I mean, do they... Are they going to show what he's thinking, or are they just? I mean, the guy's never going to talk for the whole season or something in the show. Or I, I'd like to see how they, how they, how they go about they it. Use like a voiceover narrative, right. exactly. Know? Like, like how the comic book does with with the uh, the boxes. You know? Yeah, that's like, that's what I wonder if they'll just have a voice playing while he's standing there, or. Go inside his, his, like, give him a first-person view where you can hear his voice. I just want to know how they'll do that, how they'll portray it. Yeah, I'm really interested. Um, I think that my favorite character, uh, that the, the one that I can't wait to see played out, is probably going to be Karnak. Um, he's just such a fascinating character to me. Um, he's a huge dick. Um, but it's, it's, and his power is cool. I mean, to be honest, uh, that he can see the weak point. He can look at anything. I want to see him like, w- look at Captain America's shield. I wonder what he sees, you know, <laughs> will he go, right. hmm. <laughs> it, I, I, I think that out of everybody, there's a, uh, an issue where Phil Coulson in the comics, like brings him in to help out and, um, you know, Karnak goes in to speak with the family and he agrees to help. And he's like, but in order to do so, I will require payment. And he's like, I want the thing that you love the most in this world. Bring me that and and I'll find your, your son. And, you know, <laughs> Colson's like, dude, why are you doing that? And he's like, to prove to them that human beings just like objects have no worth. And I'm like, wow, this guy's a dick. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of enjoy him in that sense. And it'll be curious to see him played out. Is he as much of a dick as he is in the comics in that sense? Um, Or, or is he going to be a little bit more sympathetic uh, to, to, 
the viewers, but I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think for me, Black Bolt is still the one that I can't wait to see played out the most. Yeah, I agree. Cause I think you'll probably at some point see his power get used and he'll level a city and you'll be like, okay, yeah, that, that'd be cool to see. All right. So we got down number four. What is our topic? Uh, we were going to talk about early predictions for the NFL season. That's correct. All right. So let's start with the NFC West. You've got two teams uh, basically going through a rebuild. Uh, one of them hired a new coach and a new GM. The other one hired uh, just a new coach. Um, yeah, it's got to still be Seattle. Still got to be Seattle and, and the Cardinals, right? Yeah, but I'm curious as to who you have ultimately taking the 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 division. Are the the Cardinals had a man? They had a year last year that I don't think anybody expected them to have. They just I would got agree. Hit hit with injuries. After injury, after injury, after injury, and it just the bad luck never seemed to to stop. And the defense wasn't as good as it could have been the previous years. And then the offensive line started taking its toll on David Johnson. Started taking its toll on Carson Palmer. I don't think they're good enough talent wise. I mean, I think they're missing some key things. Whether that that be an interior pass rusher, now they lose Kalias Campbell. Robert Kimbichi better step up and then be one of those guys. I think they're they're lacking on the offensive line. I think they're lacking someone other than Fitzgerald. I know uh, they've got some speedy receivers, but I don't think there's anyone dependable on that on the receiving core outside of Fitzgerald. So that's why David Johnson gets so many targets. He needs to stay healthy because he's a guy you can give it to him 350 times in the passing game included. So I, I think there are ways away. I still think Seattle's the best team in that division. Fair enough. All right. So let's move on to the NFC South. This division – I was going to say, always flips, right? Like the team that goes last ends up coming in first. They're all Look, tightly wound every year. I feel like the, the, the I, I was, I, I was, and I don't know, whatever, whatever the rule is for NFL media. Uh, I used to be a fan of the Saints, but, um, yeah, I, I think that they have just decided that the Saints are going to be Drew Brees and Sean Payton because every other weapon they've had on offense, they're like, you know what, we're going to find you a new home. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, let's send you to a place where they need a tight end. And don't and, use one. Yeah, and and then, <laughs> and then don't even – Brandon Cooks. Man, yeah, that's what a fit that is, huh? Yeah, here you go, New England. Please get that. <laughs> yeah. Please kick our ass when you beat us. Please keep it within thirty. We'll give him. The, we'll give you this guy. So, um, <laughs> you, you know, you got the Bucks who are still growing under Jameis Winston. Um, obviously, have Mike Evans. You got the Panthers, who are now a couple years removed from the Super Bowl. Um, how do you see the NFC South playing out? I still think the Falcons are good. I, 
I think they oh, I think they overachieved last year. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks, the Saints, or the Panthers won that division, to be honest. They all don't seem far apart at all. Uh the the offense of the Saints, the passing offense of the Saints still works. The defense is trash, but you know, when you look at the Panthers, they're they're a mixed team though. I don't know what they want to be either at times. They got ravished with injuries on, on defense. I think obviously that killed them. I, undervaluing Josh Norman for that defense, I think hurt them. Uh, I like the Bucks, or I think their roster is decent. I think the young guys are getting better. If they come and take a running back, which it sounds like they could with their pick in the first round, whether that be I don't think McCaffrey's still there, but if he is, man, I'd love that fit. Uh, if not, they may go corner. They may go a couple other places on the defense to really secure defense, but. I don't think they're far away. I think they, they have a chance to unseat the Falcons. I think the Falcons are still probably the best team, even though the gap's not large. Yeah, it's just a question of when and if Matt Ryan is, is going to put it together in the postseason. He's ultimately sort of been the X factor for for the Falcons yeah. as as they try and grow and succeed. Um, Losing Kyle Shanahan doesn't help. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know that it does either. Um, so you, you thus far, let's recap. You have Seattle. I do. And you have the Bucks. Yeah, I'll go with the Bucks as a surprise. That's what you're taking. All right. Yeah. So we got the Bucks. Now let's go the NFC North. Um. Still have the Packers. Packers. Still Rodgers. Yep. They, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, you go with the best quarterback on a team that probably could use some some talent on a lot of places. I feel like the corner definitely, uh, running back I, I definitely could use one. So it'll be interesting what they do with that first-round pick. If Corey Davis is still there, if they see Delvin Cook as the guy, maybe Joe Mixon as the guy at the late first-round pick. Uh, they could really help out Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I think that's probably an option. In a defensive back-heavy class, they could probably wait to the second or third round and find a starter, if not two, in this draft. So uh, I still like them uh, to be one of the best four or five teams in the entire league. All right. Um, moving on. Uh, oh, wait. Nope. we still got the NFC East. Now, yep. I the Cowboys take a step back because, well, frankly, rarely do you replicate that kind of success in your sophomore season. Teams it's rare to have, do it once, yeah. Yeah, teams are going to have more tape on Dak Prescott. I still think that the Cow, I still think he's the future. I still think the Cowboys made the right decision. I think Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback. Um, uh, I. I don't that, de- know. that defense overachieved last year for sure. It, it did, but that offensive line is still freaking terrifying. Yep. Even losing Doug Free, though, it adds at least uncertainty at right tackle, whether that, okay. they're going to use Collins there. Let's, but let's run through this. The Eagles aren't winning that division. I don't think so unless Carson Wentz becomes a top corner, top quarterback. Washington just lost their offensive coordinator and a lot of their offensive staff. 
and wide receivers. Yeah, they lost their wide receivers. Now, they they, congratulations, they re-signed Kirk Cousins or managed to keep him, but they have nothing for him uh, uh, around him. So, um, you know, Washington suffers from that problem. And then you've got the Giants, who I just don't know. Like... (laughs) They always seem to have a bounce back in them. They could be good, uh, you know, but they, they are missing be, serious they points. Win, they could win the Super Bowl. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I right. have no <laughs> clue about the Giants. They could win six or 12 games. Right, exactly. They could, they could, I mean, the Giants could go undefeated, and I would be like, that makes sense. Right. Um, right, Eli has a great year. Odell Beckham has a fantastic year. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, go figure Janoris Jenkins lights it up because yeah. that's what happens. You know, they <laughs> got rid of him, so, of course, he's got to do well. So, uh, all right, who's your pick to win the division then? I mean, Please. are you, you going to stick with Dallas? Do you think the Giants take it? Because I really feel like it's between New York and Dallas. I don't think – You know, it's so hard to pick right. before the draft. Because then I look at the Eagles, they're picking, I think, 14 or something. There's rumors they could move up to try and get the guy they want, wherever that may be. Uh, I I could like the Eagles, but I do think the Cowboys are still offensively the most talented team or most well-rounded, I should should say. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Let you pick. Who do you want? I, I still think it's Dallas. All right. Let's go with Dallas. I just don't think that the Eagles are, I don't know, I just, they just don't light me up, you know. They just don't do it for me. I think I like the front seven. Uh, they could use some secondary help, especially at corner. I don't know if I love any of the receivers they have, even with That's getting. the problem is I don't love their receivers. I they get Jeffrey, right, on a one-year deal? They sign yeah. Jeffrey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even then, I, I still don't love it. I think they could use a running back. Uh I don't know. I, you know, I, I, it depends. If they crush this draft, Aguilar. I could like the Eagles. Nelson Aguilar was a I loved Aguilar. I loved him coming out, man. I don't know what the he deal was is. Such a, he was, well, he's the curse of the number one receiver for USC. Their wide receivers man. don't do well when they hit the NFL for whatever Hey, Marquise Lee is doing well, right? He quietly had a good year, but it was after struggling a lot. That's true. Um, all right. So... Let's move on. Let's stay here on the West Coast and go with the AFC West. The Raiders get Derek Carr back. And they look to be fierce. Their defense Uh, sucks. True. Besides Khalil Mack. You look at at the D and it's... It's something they can improve, though. Oh, I think they should spend most of their picks on the defense and definitely get, you know, a couple corners, get a linebacker. I do. I like the defensive line for the most part. Uh, maybe get a better nose tackle if, if they could, but they drafted a couple guys last year. So, I don't know. Uh, receiver, they're good. They could use a tight end. I think they want a running back at some point. I don't know who's going to be there in the late first round, if that means they go in the second or third round. I think a guy like Kareem Hunt would be perfect for them. Uh, especially with Derek Carr, if they go into the third round or so. Samaj P. Ryan, even him. Yeah, the Raiders are good, but I think I think they have some holes. I don't think they're cleanly better than the Chiefs. 
I don't know that they're much better than the Broncos. I don't know that I like the Broncos at all. I'm not saying I like them. I think the Broncos are a seven and nine team. I think like, the who's their quarterback. It's probably Simeon still, right? Unless they go to uh, who they draft last year um, with the last pick, and now I'm forgetting Lynch. Yes. Paxton Lynch. No, I I think that I have heard from a number of people, in, including Albright, that Paxton Lynch is an admitted two-year project. Okay. I think that John Elway and company drafted him knowing that it would be a couple years. They've They've planned for that, and their intent is to give him every opportunity to learn before they put him in there. So I don't think we'll see Lynch this year. I think we'll see someone else. It could happen if Lynch is farther along than we think, but I'm reasonably sure I've heard from people that the uh, the Broncos want to get a little bit more into him as far as training, uh, tutelage, mentoring, and, and so on and so forth. So let's go with the Raiders then for best team in that division still. Uh, I think the Chargers are still a bad team. So let's go with the Raiders, even though I don't think it's a comfortable lead. Fair enough. All right. So let's then go to the AFC South. Uh, Who do you like in that division? Is it the Texans? I think the Titans are the best team. I know that Texans front, if they get Clowney and Watt together and Merciless, man, I love that pass rushing trio. That's probably as good as it gets in the NFL easily. Uh, but it's going to come down to quarterback still, and I still don't who, – who are the Texans going out there? Tom Savage right now? Are they going to draft a guy? Either way, I think the Titans are well-rounded. I believe their quarterback is on the cusp of being one of the better quarterbacks in the league, Agreed. one of the best in the league. Uh, it, I think if he finished out the year and they make the playoffs, which they're, they're on the pace to do it, uh, I think everyone would view him as probably a top-ten quarterback going into this year. So I, I like the Titans a lot. All righty. Moving on then to the AFC East. I think that this is pretty much <laughs> a no-brainer, right? Like, we're just going to say the Patriots and move on, correct? Yeah, I'm interested in the Dolphins making the playoffs and seeing how far they can go if Tannehill's better uh, this following year. I, the flashes he shows, I still think he can be good. He's just he's so inconsistent that I, I, I wonder how – how good the team can be with them being that way. Yeah, you and I both. Um, all right, and so the North. What's that? We have the North still. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say we're moving on to the North. It's just that simple, man. Until Tom Brady retires, I'm always going to pick. And it's not like the Patriots got worse. You know, yeah. I, no. I mean, no. this, this is <laughs> they the didn't team. get close to getting worse. They just loaded the roster. <laughs> yeah, and this is a team that has yet to draft, though historically they are awful in the NFL draft. Yeah. Um, that unless you count Tom Brady, but that is probably luck. more stupid luck than anything else. Um, all right, so moving on to the AFC North, which I saved for last for obvious reasons. I don't want to pick. Uh, I want... You're going you're to pick the Cleveland Browns, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the Browns are bad. 
So <laughs> I, it's the Steelers still, in my opinion. I think the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens are bad. I don't think they're good teams. Uh, Bengals are miss, have too many holes. They've let too many guys walk out of the door the last two years, I, and they haven't drafted to replace them. Uh, they're not the same team they were the last five, six years making the playoffs every year. The Ravens, I think, are a bad team with a veteran quarterback that I don't think Flacco is even moderately good. I, I think Flacco's pretty bad. You watch him, and he he just misses throws that he shouldn't miss. He's just he's a statue in the pocket, and as soon as he moves his feet, his accuracy is destroyed. I think the Ravens are limited as long as he's their guy for the next you know four or five years or so. I just still think it's the Steelers, but they're getting older too. They're often injured. They're they got guys that are suspended. I think they are mixed up about what they want to be on defense half the time, but I still think they're the best team in that division, and it's pretty clear. I I I struggle with this because I feel like the Steelers. Uh, well, they they. I I I need to see what happens, but I I mean you're 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 right on paper. It's just that Pittsburgh always finds a way to uh, I don't want to say whatever the opposite of improve these situations would be. <laughs> that you know, <laughs> they squander a good roster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they it's been loaded for the last few years, and they someone's getting yeah. suspended or someone's getting hurt. And it's like, man, you guys may have wasted a, a Super Bowl window in Ben's last couple of years. And that's kind of what I'm wondering is I'm waiting to see when the drop off from Roethlisberger hits because he's taken so many hits over the course of his NFL career that much like a prize fighter at the end of his career, um, you know, does he, does he have a glass jaw? You know, what, 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 what's going to end up happening with big Ben? Um, You know, what are the Steelers going to do with Antonio Brown? You know, (laughs) what, what is ultimately going to end up happening with that team? They've underachieved. Um, like you said, they've probably squandered uh, what would be, uh, by many, considered to be a Super Bowl window. So I don't, I don't know if the Steelers are the favorite to win that, or if the Bengals are are the favorite to win it. But you know the Bengals better than I ever will, and you the, say that they're not good. They'd have to nail the draft. They'd have to absolutely. Their offensive line is going to be a bottom five unit, and. You know how that can derail an entire offense. I don't care how good you have some skilled guys. Uh, and I think they're, they have a, besides, I know you have Geno Atkins, you have Carlos Dunlap, but that unit up front struggles to get pressure. They really do. Uh, you know, your interior guy, even though Atkins may be a top five interior rusher, it, we're only talking eight to ten sacks a year, and I know sacks aren't everything, but it just, it, it's, it's, once every other game, you know, for a sack. If for Carlos Dunlap to get eight sacks, we're all happy because it's decent for, for him, and he's a good run defender, so you're happy. But still, you need more production. That right side of the line, that other defensive tackle spot is giving you nothing. And I think that's why they could double up at defensive line in the draft in the first two or three rounds uh, and really try and nail it home and and, and do what they got to do. But then you read reports today, and it could be John Ross at 9 and Mixon at 41, and they just make their offensive weapons unstoppable, and they say, okay, we're going to run up some points, and which might be pretty fun to watch. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. This is a draft that can go so many different ways. And, and, and the thing about it is, is once it starts going that way, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be like watching dominoes fall because once a certain position group starts moving, then there's going to be a mad grab for that position grouping. So. I wonder what spot it'll be. It might be defensive end just because I think there's a little bit of a drop off, even though it's a deep class. I could see the late twenties and early thirties just being defensive ends. I could see that too. I could see that too. I, I, I'm curious mostly about wide receivers. When do they start going? Because you've yeah. got a lot of guys in here that people agree are loaded with talent, but you know, who knows? They could work out. They could not. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I, I'm, I'm sincerely hoping for the Rams that Corey Davis is still around uh, late into the first round, enough to where the Rams could move in to grab him. And, you know, I was going to say, uh, when you were saying that, I was going to say, you know, if it's not, then I really like a guy I think is a first-round talent that probably goes in the second or third round is Carlos Henderson out of Louisiana Tech. But if you want size... If you want size, he's probably not, you know, he's 5'11", I believe. He's probably not ideal, but he won a lot of contested balls, and he was good in the red zone, and he's fantastic after the catch. That's probably as good as you can be after the catch as a prospect for a receiver. Uh, so if they can't move up, that wouldn't be a bad pick, even though I know you want some size out there. Well, with the little bit of time that we have left, uh, let's move on to overtime and tell the folks a little bit about ourselves. So, like I said, I am Josh Webb. I uh, cover the Rams, Cal, uh, USC, and Marvel Comics. Um, I have an Infinity War sleeve on my arm uh, with Thanos as the the centerpiece um, for for my sleeve. Um, it also has Galactus. Uh, uh, Vision, Silver Surfer, uh, Doctor Strange, Miss Marvel, Ant-Man, um, and a number of other characters. So, um, my, my favorite Marvel characters are probably, uh, the symbiotes. Yes. Uh, the Punisher. Um, I love Miles Morales. I also love Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. Um, and I probably could read uh, X-Men, uh, the original uh, X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, all day long. Like Age of Apocalypse is one of my favorite series of all time. Yeah, uh, that, that that's a good one. I mean, that's obviously a classic and a major one. That's why probably the movie was a little disappointing. I don't know if you think the same, but I found it a little disappointing. Uh, for me, Joe Goodberry. Find me on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. It's just my name, nothing special. Uh, I've been doing Bengals mostly for, I'd say, six or seven years. Started at CincyJungle.com, which I still do some things there once in a while. It's SB Nation blog uh, for the Bengals. 
Uh, did some scouting for Bleacher Report. I've had things on various websites, whether it be ESPN or CBS or NBC Sports or Pro Football Talk and over my time, and even got to do some things for the Bengals themselves, which was pretty cool. Uh, but comics-wise and, and, and things like that, a lot of my stuff comes from the 90s cartoons. And I was, at the, being a kid, and the 90s cartoons were just so good with the X-Men and the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the animated Spider-Man series. Uh, and even, because uh, well, we didn't get to talk too much about DC, but the Batman animated series at that time oh, is man. number one. It, it's on Amazon I'm Prime. If you, Hell yes, it is. Yeah, and it's so good, and it still holds up. I mean, all these do. Honestly, you, if you have kids, and you, you like you say, you're thinking about it now, and I, my son watches that stuff with me. And it's, so I've seen them all recently within the last three years. I've watched all three of those series through. And Batman animated series still holds up. Each episode, it's, it's each story is so good. Of Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, and, and she's one of my favorite characters of all comics. Honestly, she's, she, I, I think she's a great character, and for her to come from a cartoon is a great story. And, and but from there, I, I that's what got me to to want to read comics and want to see more of this stuff. And movies came out at the right time to get me into it even more. So. Yeah, I'm probably not as well-versed as you are, but I'm always reading stuff or even at least reading summaries of characters to get their backstory and see what their powers are and see, you know, how they stack up against other other characters and and things like that. So, uh, yeah, symbiotes, you mentioned them because I'm a big Spider-Man fan. For me, Venom is my probably my favorite character in all of, in all of comics, and, and we may get a Venom movie, which I... I mixed about because I think he needs Spider-Man to be Venom. I think that's what makes him who he is. I think he's more complex than just being a, a raging monster, which a lot of comics have, has depicted him as. I think he, he he's can be more than that. I think he can be a hero at times, but not when it comes to Spider-Man. He you know he'll protect innocent lives. He he's motivated by revenge and feels like he was dumped. The symbiote feels like it was dumped by Peter Parker and uh, you know it. It's his job to defeat him. He won't let anybody else. I think there's just complexities to it that that always got to me, and I think you know you need that in order to really fully portray him. So uh, the movie, the rumors of the movie, that the, if the movie comes out, I, I'm feeling kind of mixed about it. I should be super excited, but half of me is kind of you know weary that they won't get it right. Yeah, there's there's always that nerve with. With uh, especially because Sony's been so, I don't even want to say hit or miss. They've just been missed. I think I think Amazing Spider-Man was great, and then they followed it up with Amazing Spider-Man Two, which, in my opinion, was crap. You know what I liked about it though? It's our best depiction of Spider-Man yet. And even though I love the MCU Civil War Spider-Man, I still I think agree. the. The suit was awesome. The way he looked, the way he moved, that first opening sequence when he's falling from the sky and he's going through the city and you see him up close webbing and just the way his body's moving, I'm like, he, they they captured it perfectly. It just sucks they had a terrible story and, a, and bad writing for a lot of it um, because I, I do think visually it's, it's Amazing Spider-Man 2 is, is really good. Yeah, the, the 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 thing that bothered me about Amazing Spider-Man 2 was the fact that they they build Electro 
And then all of a sudden you're like, damn it, man, is the Green Goblin again? Yeah. And you're just like, this is got to stop, man. Like, and, I mean, how tired are people of seeing the Green Goblin be the villain, you know? You, you know why I'm tired of Green Goblin? Because for me, Norman Osborn is the best Green Goblin. And there's something scary about fighting a grown man that is... Wearing a creepy mask, Norman Osborn is way creepier than they've than they've shown him in movies. Uh, he's like the Joker of of the MC of Marvel. He should be like a guy with political power, with with unlimited resources, with with a uh, a science lab of with unlimited resources where he's testing things, and he's just insane. If you follow him further to when he dresses up as the Iron Patriot to pretty much gain the, the confidence of the American people. Uh, and then he's still wearing his goblin paint underneath when they rip his mask, when they rip his helmet off. And he's just, the, the man is just insane. And for me, they always try to end up going to Harry way too quickly. And I hate it because I think the goblin still hasn't been done 100% of the way. And we're tired of seeing him, but then I don't feel like they've done him justice yet. Yeah, you're going to have to see some of these characters. It's sort of like with the Fantastic Four. I don't feel like we've gotten – I think part of the reason the Fantastic Four have been crap is because Doctor Doom is such an amazing villain and so layered and so complex that they have yet to nail him in in any of their portrayals and and I think the films have struggled in large part because of that. They shouldn't show him. I've or at least shouldn't make him the villain in the first one because you set up all four characters, you set up their situation, you set up the Fantastic 4. There's not enough time to give the complexities of Doctor Doom and what and what he needs to really flesh him out. You know, it's just what I've always thought. After two failures now, I'm thinking you got to shelve them or just put them in the background and let them be Reed's rival for the first movie, and then you give him the full attention. Then the second one, you don't have to dive into the Fantastic Four as much. But we'll probably they got to let it die for ten years before they try and reboot it again. Yeah, at this point, I don't know that anybody would. I, to be honest, man, I, I think they should just let it go back to the MCU. Yep, I, that'd be the I, only way to... to uh, they should look at what they did with Spider-Man and the MCU, and then once Phase 4 starts, let's if Fantastic Four is in it, I think you have a household name, you have a, a, a franchise that can carry the MCU into the next phase. Yeah, it's... it's definitely going to be interesting um you can follow me on twitter at fight on twist um and we will definitely be doing these uh more frequently there's also going to be a couple different varieties of shows one featuring myself and joe another one featuring myself and ryan which will be more comic book oriented strictly on comics so there will be a couple of one, uh, a couple different podcasts hosted on this same site, uh, but but uh, you can consider this the mothership. This is this is the uh, well, this is the Reed Richards, if you will, <laughs> the 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 Charles Xavier. It's the leader. I don't want to call it the Cyclops because whoa, Cyclops know, is the man. 
Oh, man, we we don't have enough time. <laughs> we don't. We'll, we'll, we'll do all we'll do. First down next time is all X-Men, first, then. First down next time can be how much Cyclops sucks. But, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, please, by all means, send in your questions. If you'd like to hear us talk about certain things, if you'd like us to cover a certain draft prospect, if you have a football team, that you want to hear us cover, let us know. Our apologies, you know, for sticking to the Bengals and the Rams this episode. We decided that for the inaugural episode, we'd kind of stick to what we knew. Um, yeah, flex our football muscles a little bit. Yeah, so if if you have something that you want to hear, let us know. We'll run it down. We'll look into it. We'll We'll make ourselves familiar with it. And uh, then we'll provide some thoughts on it. So um, we're 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 not afraid to dive into subjects you guys want to talk about. You just need to make us aware of whatever it is you want us to cover. Yeah, I don't have anything more to say than that. Other than first down is Cyclops, and he's the man, and we're going to figure it out. And I'm going to end it at that. All right, and we will catch you next time here on Third and Nerd. For Joe Goodberry, I'm Josh Webb. Peace out.